approach things like we're good. We just approach things like we're gonna work and we're gonna work hard. And hard work pays off. If you work that hard, you're gonna get good. And good turns to great. And hopefully I'm the definition. Welcome to Zard to Inspire Podcast. I'm Jerome. I'm a youth mentor, entrepreneur, and I'm here to bring in my life, bring in my world, drop a lot of jewels and a lot of gems. If you take 20% of what I say and apply it, you definitely make some change in your life. So I'm back with another episode of the podcast. And today we're going to talk about the future is part two. And you know how it goes. We're going to run down what I've been doing um, too much. But I'm going to try and scale it down into, you know, what I've been doing. So everyone knows doing the sports and mentoring projects, they've been really good. Um, last half term, um, we've done some sports, mainly basketball. So what I'm trying to do now is create like a basketball camp within the summer. Uh, for boys mainly, because that's the interest. And yeah, in the Barrow Wheeling, because I've been doing it there. And obviously I want to expand in West London, um, in Hillenden, Hounslow and Hammersmith. And then go into Brent, because just outside Ealing. And the sports we do are boxing, like I said, basketball, football and table tennis. So these sports are an engagement tool to help young people. And I sat down with an old colleague the other day, actually, in a school I used to work at. And he was telling me that they're doing something similar already in Brent. Um, in terms of yeah, using football mainly, obviously because we're in England, about yeah, using it to have these conversations and make they have icebreakers and stuff like that, and it's just easier to you know break the ice and communicate with young people. So specifically, we're focusing on 12 to 15 years old. That's my year group. That's the years that I like the most, and I feel like yeah, working the adolescence brain that's developing, great way to start. And along with the half and projects. Um, term time only there's after school clubs on Saturdays so it'll just be like an hour or two hours after school and yeah that's kind of how we're working still in conversation with a few schools so nothing's been cemented um, so far we've just been working in the holidays half terms so the next holiday is the summer holidays like I said it's be the 24th of July to the 1st of September so this is the six week holiday this is big for mainly school leavers so people that have just left college people that have just left school and they're going to that next transition um, yeah, it's just good to have things for young people to do, especially the young adults in this day and age. So yeah, we're just trying to put together a basketball camp in line with our mentoring. Um, nothing to finalised, just trying to sort it, sort it all out. So hopefully it's done by July. The main thing we're working on, which is the longest process, is this D2I mentors slash coaches. So we want anybody who wants to support us and work with young people. There's free stage vetting and in-house training. You can come with zero knowledge. All we want is your interest to work with young people and the willingness to learn so there is safeguarding training um child protection youth work and challenging behavior so obviously we're working with the most challenging children and we want to be able to engage them the easiest way possible um coming in so for us we work with young people <laughs> 18 to 25 uh, with a dbs on the update service which you can do yourself and it will stay on there we don't have to keep updating every year so we have community and school-based mentoring for young people and children. Um, so school base will be literally in the school, after school clubs, during the school day, and then the community will be in the youth centre, um, stuff like that. So the main thing is kind of working with the school um, collaboratively uh, to support young people. So you have a trial day, which will be four to six hours, travel expense will be paid with lunch. Um, so our next dates for recruitment will be basically now, we're in June, so basically mid-June to like August. We want to be able to meet people in person, we want to be able to see if they've got the passion and the willingness to learn. It's not easy working with young people. You need a lot of patience. You need a lot of empathy. And you have to literally listen to young That's all i got to say for me personally. Listen to young people and work with them. 
you know, for me, when I was a kid, I was just told what to do. I never had a voice. I never had no one engage with me. So I'm really big on engaging with young people and working with them because I believe personally that's how you get results, working with them. So, yeah, alongside of this, within the charity that I've got, I've got a um, documentary that I'm doing called Behaviour, Attitude and Mindset. We filmed a few people. We're still trying to get availability. It's always a challenge, but you just need to be patient. I'm working with a really, really good guy, a uh, videographer who helped me. His name is Jack. So what we do, we meet people and we're trying to, for me anyway, it's my observation of the three years that I've worked in schools. So looking at it holistically, looking at the behavior, looking at unmet knees, looking at the schools, looking at the mindset of these young people and trying to understand, um, you know, all the stuff that we're trying to do, portray it in a, in, a, in a documentary, basically. So hopefully if that's like, you know, we get the people's interviews done, that should be out like top of the top of next year. That's what ambitiously I would love to do. Um, and we're going to talk about it today, but I'm writing a book called Why Conversations Matter. And I found a, a great creative process that I want to share with everybody. So basically, I can't sit there and just write, right? Even if I have thoughts because there's so many things going on. So what I do, I put audio notes on my phone. And there's something I'm going to literally recommend now. And it's called Strint. So basically, it's an AI software that converts your audio notes. You upload it onto the website, create an account. And it basically transcripts it for you. Amazing. Because me, I swear, me, I, you know, I speak slang sometimes. So you can articulate that and pull it in a book and, you know, stuff like that. I'm doing an audio book, so I'm not going to write it. And it's just about conversations. Obviously, I love to speak. I've got a podcast. So it's just about that scientifically, biologically. And it's really, really good. So that's me. That's what I'm doing. And, yeah, I'm going to actually you should introduce yourself. Here's my guest. Yeah. All right. Hi, guys. Um my name is John Salmon. I work currently in schools as a TA. Um, I'm also running a gardening project and I'm also a table tennis coach at the moment. Um, working in education for the last seven years and yeah, really looking for a new avenue to explore with young people. And I feel like an avenue, an avenue that gives young people the platform. Um, I feel like a lot of the time when we are working in schools education is being done to the young people as opposed to with the young people um so yeah I'd, i think i'd like to i'd like to venture more deeply within that um we're working on setting up a company me and my business partner solomon adams um, we're working on setting up a company called movement makers um, and one of the things that we are really interested in doing is project-based learning. I don't know if you heard about that before, Jerome. No, no, you can break it down for them, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah go on. Um, yeah, so project-based learning is really about putting the student's voice at the center of their education um, and real-world problems that they uh, would like to solve and getting them to work collaboratively, getting them to explore their ideas um, and really and really placing their voice at the center of that. Um, some of the things that we wish to do um, is through different programs that promote life skills, for example, uh, sports and mentoring, um, gardening and horticultural projects, um, as well as uh, creative mediums such as uh, drama, music, and theater programs, uh, which just gives, you, gives a bit of a, a different spin on and how education is currently being done. Um, I feel like a lot of a lot of what's going on in education doesn't reach 
all of our kids needs in terms of what they'd like to do in the future um i feel like obviously it's very academic orientated which is which is which has lots of benefits and advantages um but i'd like to provide something that gives young people a platform to explore different hobbies and different careers that they may not be exposed to within school so what have you been up to recently in the last, I don't know, let's just say month because June's already done. So how have you, what have you been up to um, and what projects are you working on like currently? Yeah, so right now um, within a local school in Conisborough, uh, a local school in Catford, sorry, uh, Conisborough College, we have been working on transforming a space into a garden. Uh, so empty green space uh, within the playground um, as well as at a allotment around the corner from the school. Um, and yeah, we've we've literally gutted out the space within the last six months. Nice. Um, we've been building structures for our plants, growing different vegetables and fruits, and and really working with nature, learning about the environment around us, um, and yeah, building lots of life skills. You know, great great physical attributes for the young people to learn. Um, patience teamwork uh, resiliency you know lots of physical and mental traits that i feel uh, will be very beneficial to young people in the future yeah nice nice and obviously we're friends we always speak like this all the time and i thought it'd be really good to bring you in and share this with everybody you know and that's why going back to my book you know conversations they matter because literally the little things we have we're learning we're growing off each other if we record that in a podcast everyone can share the knowledge so could you break down everybody the 12 jewels, I know what they are, but I want to break down your definition. On the last episode, I've kind of done it a little bit, but maybe a breakdown of some of the ones that interest you and some of the things you're focusing on, your movement makers. Yeah, so um, 12 jewels um, was coined by a hip-hop artist called RZA uh, from Wu-Tang Clan, which a lot of you may know out there, a lot of you may not know. Um, but the 12 jewels really focuses on knowledge of self, um, and, when, and when it comes to knowledge of self, uh, we explore topics such as self-awareness, uh, self-confidence, um, the ability to actualize oneself uh, within many different mediums. Um, so knowledge of self within schools, I feel, isn't something that is often um, catered to. Um, there's a timetable and a curriculum that needs to be uh, met within a day, within a week. Um, and often curiosity and discovery of a child's innate talents and abilities, I feel isn't, isn't quite, isn't quite provided for. I feel like the education system is quite archaic. Um, and Explain archaic. Cause I actually don't know what it is. Yeah. Okay. Just, just backdated. Yeah, he's yeah. updating. Yeah, updating. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, the power of becoming aware of one's emotions, um, mm-hmm. one's physical and mental state. So, um, so how would you deliver the 12 jewels in terms of, like, would it be for a workshop to understand freedom and justice? Yeah, for example, um, problems within the world that young people want to face and giving them the freedom and the platform to to essentially challenge this and to create new new forms of development within their world mm-hmm. within their society mm-hmm. um and and providing them with a space where 
we we are not really teachers in that aspect, but more facilitators, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, where yeah, no, of course. the students collectively come into a room, they have a driving question that they are looking to solve. It could be social media, for example. It could be crime in their community. Mm. It could be mental health. And rather than just sitting in a classroom, working via a lecture or um, reading and writing the classic forms of assessment, Mm -hmm. they would explore this maybe through a theatre production, a drama production, um, creating an EP uh, within a music project, Mm. uh, creating a space where they are transforming it into a garden, for example, mm-hmm. um, working together and solving issues within their community. So there's a lot of health-related issues right now um, when it comes to healthy eating, nutritional eating, um, and working in a communal space um, that young people have the responsibility for, I feel is quite powerful, giving them that responsibility and guiding them in the process. Whereas I feel the current system is more about this is what you're learning, mm. this is the aim, and this is how you must perform. I want to take away the pressurizing aspect yeah. of yeah. school and yeah. give young people the freedom, uh, which I feel that the 12 jewels really really represents the, f- the freedom and the justice um, elements of the 12 jewels is really about giving the youth the power and the voice. And could you break down everybody, the 12 jewels? Yeah, yeah, so um, knowledge of self, um, again, what I was saying earlier, um, self-awareness, um, actualization of, of self, our emotions, our mental and our physical states. Once you gain the knowledge, um, you can now reflect on this um, and that creates wisdom through that reflection. And you're reflecting that within a group of young people, um, within a community, provides that understanding. Understanding is another jewel within this. Um, and once you have those three core aspects then you have the freedom to express yourself. Um, and equally, it provides everyone within that framework to achieve m- lots of different things together and collaboratively. Um, and then once you have that, uh, food, clothes and shelter. When we think about food, clothes and shelter, basic needs within our society, when in terms of food, we think about uh like food for thought, mental food and physical food. So what is really important when it comes to mental food? Um, stability, um, having places to express yourself, um, clothes, how you carry yourself, you know, providing young people with those skills when they go into the workforce. You know, how do they carry themselves in the wider world? Um, and then once we have these aspects, um, we create a, a peaceful and a happy community for young people to exist in. I love it, man. I, I like the last one, the love, peace, and happiness. Because I feel like we all want love, we all want peace, and everybody wants to be happy. So it's about trying to articulate it in the best way possible. So thanks, John, for that. That was amazing. Um, and obviously, yeah, the 12 Jews is something that I'm interested in as well. And I'm looking forward to your projects. So right now, we're going to speak about uh, the future of education and work for young people. So for me, um, I wanted to do this quick fire thing with John before we go into the topic. So basically, I want to give you some things uh, that I studied about the problems with the school system today and in a small brief way, just your um, understanding of it. So number one, industrial age values. What does that say to you? 
industrialized values industrial age values. industrial age values uh well yeah very interesting topic as we're currently going through uh changes via the industrial revolution um and from the beginning from uh, water and steam engines to electricity to technology of data and computers um and now ai um which is which is something that we're about to step into and it's it's an ever changing and fast moving climate um that i feel not just young people but you know society as a whole is going to have to um adapt to um so it'll be really interesting to see um how industries will change and how that will impact our youth and the lack of control of your decisions mm. yeah so one aspect of ai is that it leads to a more effective um workspace you know because it is collecting vast amounts of data um that is able to be streamlined and personalized so for example, within teaching, a teacher could use AI to create a lesson plan that is personalized for different n learner needs. Yes. Um, so that's a really interesting, really interesting concept. But one one of the aspects of ChatGPT um, that can also be dangerous is also privacy. Um, is also your data and the security of your data whether the information that is taken from vast amounts of data is is actually accurate um, or bias. That can also potentially be something that could come up uh, as an issue within within schools and within lots of different businesses. So yeah, just seeing how it can be streamlined effectively from a technological standpoint, but also ethically, um, the protection of people's privacy, their data, um, and also actually taking away, you know, the interaction. I feel like AI is obviously d to do with artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. um, which kind of removes the human interaction. Mm -hmm. So what about, um, how can I say this one? So this one, basically another problem with the school system is that we're judging people based on exams and league tables. Mm. What do you think the problem with that is? Well, I think our, our children are not just tools of the academy of of academics you know there are so many different uh hobbies and interests um and things that young people are inspired to inspired by sorry um and also just yeah different mediums that young people can express themselves within i think exams can be quite pressurizing 100 yeah. um i know for me uh growing up within the send department um, and having extra time on all my exams throughout school uh, was quite anxiety-inducing. It, it made me quite anxious at the time. Um, but I found being given things, for example, via coursework or projects where I could collaboratively work with others um, and learn and go on a journey and discover things in a group of people um, that, mm. that really served me well. I, w I wanted to jump on this one actually because I feel like, you know, kids are like literally like robots, right? We're, it's, it's school's a business, right? Mm -hmm. In the end of the day, right, it's all about getting kids through the five years to promote it to the next kids to do their five years. So, what I mean by that is, 
League tables are all based on, that's how they set the school. They say, okay, this school, you know, we've had this much pass rate or these kids got GCSE, A to C. So all schools are sold to, you know, governors and parents based on the results of their, their pupils. Mm. And it's very hard, you know, because a lot of people are struggling with learning and they base everything against that mark they get on their test. And that, yeah. that's where their self-esteem will, will start to either grow or, or go down. So the next problem is no room for passions. That's another problem with the school system. Mm, mm. What's your thought on that? Well, yeah, I, I feel like the curriculum is is very narrow in its scope mm-hmm. and, and, and what it offers. I feel like life skills is, is such a crucial part um, of education and education not just being done in a school, but just the education of life. Um, you know, once you leave school, the big wide world out there, as they say, um, you know, there's aspects to do with, you know, finances, um, how we look after ourselves within our community, mm-hmm. um, individually and collectively, and creating a community that is connected. I feel, I feel like when you leave school, you're often pushed into, you know, two directions: go to university, get a degree, mm. get a job, um, and it's very, I don't know, it's very, I feel it's very individualistic. Mm. Um, in its nature and I feel like a lot of the issues and the problems that we're about to face um, we need to we need to work collectively to solve them mm-hmm. um, whether that's social inequalities or that's economic inequalities um, because any successful business in particular um, is is a result of the team of people within that business working effectively and striving mm-hmm. uh, for greatness, for success for each other and with each other. Um, and I feel like school is very individualistic, yeah. which I feel doesn't naturally meet the workforce in mm. that respect. No, of course, no, 100%. And I think this might intertwine. So the fifth problem is one way of learning. So I'll quickly jump on this one. Obviously, like you said, it's about the national curriculum. So everybody has to learn the same way. Mm. And I'm quoting a line from Juice World, rest in peace, where he said, if you're letting everyone learn the same way, 30 kids learn the same way, when everyone's got a whole different upbringing, a whole different brain process to process information, mm. and if a guy is a bit slower than the guy next to him, we call him dumb. So I think that can mess a lot of people's lives up. Like, you're trying to make everybody learn the same way. So that's another problem with the school system. So, so what do you reckon about uh, about that? But yeah, obviously, for us, yeah. it's different because obviously we work with children with special needs. So you're you're taught to do creative things with these young people mm. to get them to learn. So that's the I think that's the beauty of working with kids with SEM. Mm. What do what do you reckon? Well, one of, one of the things that we have um, within our school is a community project day, um, where this, the children are actually outside of um, school on every Friday, and they take part in a an array of different community projects. Um, so they may help out, for example, at a food bank, um, clearing litter off the streets, developing a garden space, uh, traveling to different parts of London and learning to be independent in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that you might not get within conventional schools um, and just giving them those aspects in the community, those different aspects that they'll be exposed to. Uh, and life skills that they can share with others, mm-hmm. um, I feel is a really great tool. I feel like to just focus on looking at a board, reading a piece of text, and then assessing and having to write 
a piece of work mm. is not necessarily for everyone. There we go. There's great advantages to this writing skills, uh, reading skills, literacy skills. You know, it's all well and good and it's needed. Um, but we're living in a world where, you know, they have access to so many things within technology and social media and creative industries that, yeah, I think young people should be given as much choice mm. um, as as possible. And, you know, one of the things that you've been doing through the sports and the mentoring um, with the basketball and, and the football, you know, I share I share such a, a deep interest within that through my uh, table tennis ventures. And it's not just you're not just learning a sport, but you're 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 building like tactical skills, um, having to be resilient, um, having mm. to work individually and in groups, um, and also bettering yourself. That's you why know. I love sports in a way. Like, I don't know, working in schools, my observation on sports is amazing because I feel like if you're if you're really confident in the sport, mm. right? There's kids that are confident in every sport. <laughs> Literally, they ain't got a favorite sport. They're just good at everything. So you learn teamwork. You learn how to deal with losses. You learn how to like you know plan accordingly. Um, and yeah, the main thing is just learn not to, how to take things to heart because a lot of kids when they lost football games when they go and play against another mm. school they took that to heart so you got to learn how to be disciplined you got to learn how to work as a team and a real sport is selfless and the one thing the one struggle I battle with the kids with basketball is, is passing the ball literally <laughs> something as simple as that because everybody wants to win but it's like I'm playing basketball today actually I'm going to the park and I'm a person where my someone else's win this is me personally makes mm. me feel better so even in life, like if I if I see someone do well for the advice I gave them and I haven't achieved that result, I'm happy for them. I like seeing people do well. I actually like that. That yeah. gives me some sort of high. So you have to find out what you like. And if you are a greedy person, then maybe you, you have to find a way not to be as greedy when you're working in a team. Mm. And again, 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 you learn about yourself. You learn about life skills through sports. And that's a massive, there's a big reason why I'm doing sports. It's something that's active. And we're going to go into the learning styles later. Mm. But the last problem with the school system, number six, which is long lessons. So lessons are 60 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. You've got about five to six. We're talking about secondary school. I think primary might be more or less the same. Yep. Five to six periods. So what's your thought on long lessons? Yeah, gosh. Yeah. You think it should be shorter? I, I think I think classes need to be smaller. Um, mm -hmm. I think when there's 30 children in a class, I think the, the ability to get across... Uh, information and for problems to be solved is very difficult um, because you're having to tend to many different learning styles um, and that lesson um, may not work for everyone um, and I feel like again um, back to project-based learning giving young people the framework um, to choose the problems that they wish to solve would create a more engaging atmosphere where young people would actually want to learn as opposed to feeling forced within yeah, a classroom. That's, that's amazing what you just said because when I done my behavior mentoring, so basically a little recap, in three years I focused on behavior. So I done one to one, mm. I done interventions, I done, you know, if there's a whole class acting up, I'll be the guy that will come have the ther therapeutic conversations, come back in class, have that bridge and the gap between the teacher and the student. Mm. And what I found really on a, on a wider wider scale was the regular things I got, because I used to write this down, kids were disengaged and they were boring. Mm. And I used to listen to them. And they said, sir, imagine you got a 60 lesson. The teacher talks for 40 
40 minutes mm-hmm. of the lesson. Mm-hmm. You've got 20 minutes. Like, you can't even engage with the person next to you. You're literally meant to just listen to the teacher for so long. So, of course, if you've got a short attention span, you're going to act up, you know. So, mm. I think lessons are way too long. I think they should be half an hour and they should be, like, bite-sized. So, like, you speak about a, a project and then you get them to engage. And then, you you know, because I've seen it. I've been in classes where they're just talking at kids for, like, yeah. 30 minutes straight. And they just got to sit there and listen. Of course, you're not going to pay everybody anyway. 30 kids going to pay attention for that 30 minutes. Mm. They're going to, you know, say something silly. They're kids, right? They might throw something across the classroom. Um, so I feel if they're fun and engaging, and not every, I've always said this, not every teacher can have a song and dance in front of the classroom, but the best teachers I've seen, and I've seen really good ones, engage with the kids, have banter with the kids, talk about something that's not the subject. Mm. I was num- number one for that, because I feel like, in a way, they don't want to be there, they're kind of forced by their parents, so in a way, you've got to make it enjoyable for them. Mm. Um, and trust me, the kids will remember when they leave. You know, I remember like, seeing um, a card from a, a kid I used to help him with history. And I'm not no history guy, right? But I found a way, and I find it boring myself as an adult, right? So I found a way to make it fun for me. And then mm. I made it fun for him. And it was kind of like, we were laughing and joking and learning. And then I saw the results become better. But like you said, like if they're in there and they feel like they're forced, mm. you're not, you're not going to get the results. And you can't, everyone can't learn the same way, just like life. Not everyone's going to go and get married at 21 and have kids at 25 and leave house and drive at, you know, you might hit your milestones later on in life and that's okay. And that's one thing I've been talking about in the podcast for a while. It's like, a lot of people might say, oh, yeah, this age, you should have this or why haven't you done this yet? But everyone's got different life paths, mm. just like school. You're not going to get 1,600 kids, that was my last school, all learn the same way and all go down the same path. Mm. I literally just went to the year 11s. They've just left my last school that I used to work at. Some of them want to go to college. Some of them want to work. Some of them want to, you know, stay at the school and do sixth form. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't know what they want to do and that's okay. Like, don't force your kids. Like, even me, when I was asking them, I was like, it's cool. And they're oh, so you're the first one that said that? Yeah, because it's like, if we're saying, no, oh, you should know or you should. And then, nah, just like, if they don't go for a year, you have five years of education mm-hmm. and you want to work and then go to college the next year, that's fine. Me, myself, I didn't, I didn't go to college until I was probably like 18. You meant to go at 16. You know, I didn't go. I worked straight away, came back. You know, but again, I've always been that self-driven guy. I never really had to go to my mum and say, what do I do? I've been that kind of person. So, mm. yeah, for young people, like you said, give them a voice, let them be heard, let them be understood. That's big for me. We always want to talk down to kids and talk to kids. And that's, for me, re- repeated in the workforce. We're mm. just told what to do at work and just, like, not question things and just do what we're told. Yeah. That's what we. That's where we are from school. Schools are conditioning. Schools are programming. We go and wear suits, wear shirts and blazers and all of this stuff. And we just want to just follow instructions all day. That's, you know what I mean? And being a free thinker and doing the stuff that we're doing is amazing because we're giving the kids that voice to be what you said the other day on the phone, self-sufficiency. So right now, education needs to change because, you know, not in a bad way. You're not going to really need humanities, history, geography. You might need languages, you know. But if you grew up in a bilingual household, you've got the advantage of speaking two languages out the gate, right? Um, so it's really important to understand what are going to be the useful tools and there is loads but I'll basically run it down the stuff that kind of stick out to me how money works taxes bills I didn't learn any of this stuff till I was like in my 20s credit scores how do credit scores work these kids aren't too young we're talking about secondary school kids and even if you wanted to make it simpler you could teach it to the top end of primary we're talking about year four, five, six. make it a game um, cooking you know learning how to cook learning how to fix things you know, again, all schools depended on funding. My last school didn't have drills, but kids were using drills in year nine in my last school in Hillenden, but they didn't do it in Eland. Cleaning, something that your mum used to get onto you about. I used to hate cleaning as a kid. 
but I became now, I'm just like this OCD guy who's always cleaning my flat, like, because my mum, right, pushed this cleaning thing in my head, like, so much. Um, and the last one I'll say, the government system. I remember my brother, actually, he just got his flat a couple of years ago and he gave me, like, um, the tax code. And even me, I didn't know nothing until my older siblings told me how to, what a payslip breakdown is. I just knew tax, that's it. I didn't know about NI, pension, gross, net pay. I didn't know nothing. My, my older siblings who've been working for 10 years had to tell me what the breakdown of a payslip is. So anyway, my little brother, like, came, like, from work and he was like, I just got a letter from HMRC. Like, what, what, what is this? <laughs> now to break down, like, income tax and this. We don't know nothing. But this is something that we're going to do all the time. We're always going to pay bills as adults. Yeah. We're always going to pay taxes. We're always going to have to pay some sort of insurance. So for kids to know even the basis of credit, we ain't got to break it down, but they do not know nothing when they leave school. I think they, they need to implement, somehow implement these into the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So, John, what do you think the future is for education and work for young people? It's a broad one, but what do you think is going to happen? Yes. Yeah, it's an interesting... Um it's an interesting topic. One one of the things that I really want to to champion is the the future for our young people. I don't just want to be directed to just just the development of careers. Um, the development of careers are are very important, but what problems do we wish to solve within within these careers? I know a lot of schooling relates to okay, you go to school, you get your grades. Uh, you know, you might go to uni, you get your degree and you go and work for a company or you go and work for an organization and, you know, you may do the same things within that organization, the same duties, the same roles, day in, day out. But for me, when it comes to young people is what movements of change do they wish to see mm. in their community? Um, you were say, mentioning something earlier about young people sitting through classrooms and lectures um, within education where... The teacher is speaking for 40 minutes um, and dis discussing to young people why they should do this and why they should do that and and how they're going to do this. But I feel like it's it's also important to hear our youth's voice and, and to have them doing most of the discussion. I like that. Um, and to just take a step back. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of our youth feel uh, unheard, uh, misunderstood, Um and are facing so many different problems within our society, whether that's economically used, talking about finances earlier, um, you know, being prepared uh, for the financial world once they leave school, mm -hmm. savings, investments, um, being prepared to be emotionally intelligent, to deal with setbacks, to deal with hardships. Um, and there's many different, there's many different ways to, to, to deal with this um, and different mediums that we can explore. And I feel like, giving young people a platform uh, where we co-lead mm. with them rather than us necessarily um, giving the leadership is is working alongside young people and making them the ambassadors within their community. That's amazing. So yeah. is, is it, yeah. what solutions would they like to see within different careers? And actually we have a discussion on it. We work towards building a project and we have as much time, for example, within a 12-week period to focus on this and to discover and plan together. Mm. Um, whereas I, I feel like when you're sitting in a classroom and, you know, a teacher is talking at you for 40 minutes, your attention is already gone out of the window. And 
you're, you can, it's often very easy for young people to become sidetracked within these models of education. Um, but giving them the tools, giving them the voice within projects um, and also like fun and engaging projects that they would actually like to do. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many creative mediums when, when it comes to music, when it comes to drama, when it comes to art, when it mm. comes to sports, um, yeah, that yeah. the same impacts that an academic subject would give can also be seen within these mediums. 100%. Um, no, I definitely agree. I think that the future is tech. Um, the future, we're going to see less people going to university because we're seeing um, different people changing their life through the internet. There's young people now with YouTube channels and gaming and makeup and, you know, all sorts. And young people are being a creative of their own destiny now more than ever because of the internet. They're having their own choice. So I can see people doing what they want to do, even if they fail in the process and trying different things. And I can see, you, you know, it's going to be hard because obviously you can't, you know, a lot of everyone doesn't learn the same way. We spoke about that. So teaching a kid coding might not be easy for everybody. Um, again, tailoring learning is, is going to be something that even me post education, I've learned how to teach myself. So when I do an online course or read a book and I don't understand it, I have to go over it. I have to understand it. I have to read it. I have to talk to someone. I have to find a way to make it make sense to me because I haven't got a teacher now. I haven't got anyone to go to and say, mark this or sir, look at this. So as an adult, as a growing adult, my whole, my main thing really is the SEN kids. Once they leave school, it's going to be very hard for them to even, you know, get through life because they've already struggled through education with the support. So without the support, some of the parents are even struggling with kids with autism. Um, and get them to get through every single day. There's different levels to it. It's so broad. I don't want to go into what autism is. But I think the whole point of education was to turn out workers. And I think there's going to be a lot of people working for themselves, a lot of people being entrepreneurial. And because of the lockdown, it's really showing people you can do different ways of work. So the future of work, I think, um, is going to be, you know, the gig economy, people working for themselves, people working from home, um, again, COVID has showed us this. AI and tech and automation is how the work's going to be done. Um, you know, like I said, the gig economy works. People are going to find ways to tailor their life because your life changes in 10, 20 years. So you want a job that can work around your life. Yeah, yesterday I met somebody who was in the army, a police officer, now she works for Royal Mail. And I said, why would you go for Royal Mail? She goes, look, I had kids. <laughs> you know, when I started, I didn't have kids. So now I need to still make money, but have a job that works around my lifestyle, around my children. So the future of work, um, where it's going to be done, like I said, it's going to be remote and mobile. So you don't need to be in a physical address. You don't need to be in an office. You can literally have an internet connection, a laptop and a phone, literally as simple as that, and you can literally earn a living from wherever you are in the world. And I think that's the beauty of, um, you know, working, that you know, it's changing so much that the kids, their work life is going to be longer than us. I'm halfway through, right? I've been working since I was 17, I'm 35, so... The kids are going to be majority in this. We need to set them up as much possible for them to uh, work, get educated and work um, in, the, in the future of, of, of what, what we're doing. So, yeah, the book, I've basically been reading bits of it. It's called Strive, The Purpose of Schools in the Changing World by Valerie Hannon. This book was written in 2021. So all of the stuff that we're speaking about, this podcast in terms of the, the rise of technology and the internet is changing. Kids can literally say to their parents, I want to be a YouTuber. I make passive income off doing videos on the internet. That's you can make money of playing games now. Mm -hmm. Like the, the 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 opportunity, like I think you could trade your 
your natural gift, something that you like, something you enjoy, you can actually turn it into something uh, economically, you know, whether it's sustainable for your whole life, I don't know, but you can definitely make money from it that maybe wasn't possible 30 years ago. You know, this is the, I think, 70 or 75th year of the Windrush generation. My grandparents and my parents could even think about this because race is so strong them times. And, you know, I owe it for me anyway, personally, as, as a Buck Townsend for the, for the bloodline to have one guy who's made it the next generation can run through. So that's my own personal thing. Um, but I think the main thing is, um, in terms of education, we have to skill up teachers to learn different ways. So there's four main ways we learn, which is visual, auditory, reading and writing, and calisthenics. So this is the, the way I'm going into, because me, I learn better from doing. So anyone said, okay, Jerome, do this, I'd rather do it than you speak, because I, I would fizz out after a minute or two. So basically, teachers need to be trained, retrained, I think, personally, in a way to teach kids. And one of the ways is called pedagogy. I've heard this word many times and I didn't understand it. I went into my own research. And what it is, is more than four ways. It's 40 ways, literally, to learn. So this book is called The Practical Pedagogy, 40 Ways to Teach and Learn by um, Mike Sharps. So, yeah, have you got any thoughts on this or any, any thoughts on the way that we're going to have to teach our young people? Yeah, I think... Um just with the rise of technology and the world that we're entering and the different learning styles, um, technology can can kind of streamline many different learning styles within lesson plans, um, which can be really useful um, for for teachers, especially with uh, tools like ChatGPT, um, which can assist with a child's writing skills, um, their grammar, their punctuation. It can help to generate different forms of educational content for teachers, um, study materials. It saves a lot of time, lesson plans, um, and it allows teachers to focus on aspects of teaching, such as lesson delivery and student engagement. And it's just kind of it's it provides quite an effective um, way of work uh, for a lot of uh, classrooms. I feel. So I feel it will be really interesting to see to see how that is uh, developed within the schools. Yeah, that's, that's in the book as well. The purpose of schools is everything. It's looking at how we're going to retrain teachers, how kids are going to be educated, and how they're going to have the right tools. That's what we won't be speaking about, to be employable, like employability skills, um, be able to have a conversation, articulate yourself well, um, yeah, to be able to not use slang and stuff like that. These are some young people kind of embedded in this. So what do you think, John, about ChatGPT? Is it helpful or hurt, hurtful for learning? I think it's a difficult one to navigate, but I think it ultimately has both positive and, and negative um, outcomes. Um, the negative outcomes for me is being, being overly reliant on technology. Um, it's very important for us as a society to value our creativity, our our uh, collaborative nature as human beings, and that interaction between that, um, and I feel like AI and these systems um, kind of breeds a very lazy uh, society where you know we go onto Google or we go uh, onto an app via AI and we instantly get the answer. Hmm. Um, we're not 
making our young people research and discover and learn things innately because everything is being done for them through an app mm. which i feel can be quite can be quite dangerous um especially if the data isn't accurate as i was saying earlier isn't yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, necessarily yeah. completely valid um you know if you're working within just that framework you could be leading young people down completely the wrong direction i think it's good for businesses that's got many things to do and many tasks it will make things quicker easier and faster and cheaper but for learning the young people maybe not there is already software i don't know if it's called ai but i used to work with SEN kids in the school and they'll speak because they had writing issues with their hand so they'll speak into the microphone of their laptop and it will literally just type everything um that's that's a good tool for mm. someone that you know has a it's disability a yeah. you know that's a, you know technology can be an enabler but it doesn't have to be something that we can rely on and i feel like for us personally in our growing age i've used technology half my life the internet's been half my life these kids are born into it so it's trying to give them that disconnect and that hybrid of both mm. it's like the argument of like audio and, and digital right when music came out as our audio is better this and that. no it's just both find the ways that work well so i think that it depends on how you use it but definitely chat gbt is something that people have been speaking about recently so there's this book i'm going to pick up and read called chat gbt millionaire by neil dagger and just different ways of making money online again like we spoke about the gig economy, there's going to be people that can create jobs that can create software. Like I just spoke about um, um, Strint, where they're helping me write my audiobook. It's amazing. It's something that works for me. So again, find out what works for you. And there's definitely a tool out there. Just go and Google it. Um, so the rise of AI and the industrial revolution, John, where are you at with it? What's your thoughts? Because I can go on forever about this. But what mm. do you think about AI and the fourth industrial revolution? Yeah, it's... It's back to what you were saying about how it allows you to to tap into your 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 particular learning style and provide you solutions um, to kind of upscale and and streamline a, an idea for a process um, and turn it into a business just like that. Mm. Um, mm. I feel like it's, it's such a powerful tool, and it will will uh, lead to a lot of I feel. Uh, businesses being created, entrepreneurs, um, and 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 just yeah, sh- uh, freelance type of work uh, that young people can explore via social media, via the internet. Um, that AI will be really useful for. Um, so that'd be really interesting to see um, to see that kind of influx within uh, within our workforce. Um, and maybe you know, there's 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 two sides to this where AI can replace um human engineering within within uh jobs within within careers where you wouldn't necessarily need to uh hire a hundred people because you've got an AI system doing exactly the same amount of work as those one hundred people. But then on the other side, for example, you're using AI to create a book at the moment, which could then help to generate, you know, resources and funds f- to develop one's business and and also open up doors to networks and networking opportunities there's so much um to both sides of the coin um i guess it's just how it is protected um as ai the data within ai the privacy of the of of one's data of one's business Mm -hmm. of one's ideas is something that i'm more interested in getting into which is something i'm learning and learning about is if I am using AI, 
how protected is my data, my idea, mm. my thought, my process? Well, nothing's ours once it's on the internet. Even a picture of yourself, even a picture of your baby, you put it on the internet, that intellectual property actually don't belong to you. Mm. As soon as you upload it, you're basically sharing it and... Don't think just keep it on Facebook and Instagram. No, people screenshot things. People re-upload pictures on other websites. Even pictures of yourself. You can't even go to court because you can't even say, oh, this guy misused my picture or, mm-hmm. you know, it's crazy. I think the way the world is going now, again, there's going to be a big data breach. They had um, the Data um, Act, you know, redone in 2018, I think it was, in terms of uh, handling people's data. Hackers are going to have a great job, you know, mm-hmm. hacking into softwares. And I spoke about this in my last episode, just speaking about this. Kiosk machines are every day. That's not something that's the future. People can go into a shop now and order something on a screen and then pay it on card and just, yeah, a human will give it to them, right? But the first process just makes it kind of easier. So maybe the, the human can do something else. So we're seeing it used in McDonald's, Tesco's. You know, you can do your whole shopping without speaking to a human. You can go to a banks are closing everywhere. They're putting us on apps. Um, everyone's diverting us to websites. Even an automated telephone service, right? A computer one. I'm talking about actual person answering questions. This is the way we're going. Like whether we like it or not, machine learning and data and AI is going to be something that's going to be um, used every day. And again, I'm passionate about it with the youth because they're going to spend majority of their work life in this. So us as elders, leaders, pioneers whatever you want to call us, we're ones to really give them the message. So this book, I haven't read it yet. I really want to pick it up. One of my friends who studies um, AI and he just got a job doing computer vision, um, which is basically making yourself into a computer, if that makes sense, like a computer version of your face and stuff like that. So this book is called Big Data, because we're talking about data and artificial intelligence, the complete guide to data, AI, and machine learning. So obviously for me personally, I, I don't work in this but I'm curious. I want to know, like, how does it going to affect my everyday life? Like, I haven't got kids yet, but when I have kids, how is it going to affect their life in 10, 20 years when they're working? Um, and again, security is going to be an issue, John, you know, in terms mm. of, like, you know, phones. Phones ain't just a phone. It's a tracking device. Mm. Um, in terms of people's information that you're uploading on the internet, like I said, something simple as a picture, your address, like, all of these private informations need to be secure, and they kind of won't be. And I know you've read this book, and I don't want to drop it yet, but what's your thoughts on the fourth tier? Because we there's four tiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember top of my head all the three tiers before this one. But we're literally in the fourth tier of the Industrial Revolution. Could you break down what it is and where we're going without speaking about what you just spoke about? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm still researching this um, very much myself, the fourth Industrial Revolution. But what I know is that the fourth Industrial Revolution is the merging of the physical and the technological worlds um there is a concept uh called the internet of things i don't know if you heard of it jerome but it's very um interesting where basically everything is connected to ai so everything is connected to one source Mm -hmm. uh, where we are essentially creating smart societies Mm -hmm. smart forms of business smart forms of interaction where you know we already have you know a lot of our, our our data and we we transfer data via our phones and our laptops and and lots of different technological mediums um but within this new industrial revolution everything will be brought into a hub so when you uh when you have a smart meter or you have a smart home everything is basically run and connected via the ai system so your laptop your phone 
um, your your doorbell. Uh, wow, everything wow. is connected to. Like you said, they're making people lazy and and efficient. Like they're making them like yeah. less efficient. Mm. And again, if anyone can do this, and I want to do this one day, just live in nature for a month. Oh no phone, gosh, like Seriously. some people don't know what a phone is. <laughs> we 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 moving with phones that like we never lived without it. Like that's how crazy it is. It's part of our everyday life, and we've been so conditioned. Even me, I I have to discipline myself, and I'm being honest, to not use my phone when I'm around people or when I'm, you know, just waiting. I can look around. It's not hard to look around where you are. You know, you don't have to be down. They call us the the heads down generation you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. but this book is called the fourth industrial revolution by you probably can say his name better than me uh, klaus schwab there we go i said it wrong last <laughs> time but these parts i'm just reading the context page now yeah these parts actually stand out to me mainly about the impact the economy the growth employment nature work what we're speaking about mm-hmm. business if you're creating a business how you can we've been doing it google analytics is that right mm-hmm. and you know customer expectations data enhanced products um, collaborative innovation all of these things are going to help actually businesses um, new operational models where you operate your business and again national and global so governments are using these things this isn't just businesses and day-to-day people governments are using these things um, countries all around the world cities all around the world society looking at the inequality in the middle class and the community this book's amazing I don't know how far you got into it but already reading the context page I think it's going to be amazing so, you know, this has been a great episode. And the reality, the, the title is called The Future Is, but the reality is nobody knows what the future is, right? Mm-hmm. We all have these expectations and hypothetical things where it could go. And obviously people are talking about it, but even the people that are professional and they've been in the industry, they don't know where it's going. Nobody knows where we're going to be in the five, ten years. But I heard, John, the other day, that because the internet is actually taking over, they're going to lock off the internet. And I don't know if that's true. Have you heard that? There's... <laughs> There, there is, there is, there is something going around right now, um, where, well, it's, it's, it's how powerful and how far can AI really go? How powerful can AI really get? Because AI is essentially a collection of human data, mm. of vast amounts of human data, mm. which has been streamlined to be more effective via technology, but AI. AI is basically the human mind times 100. So what do you think we need to do? Do you think we need to upskill ourselves and educate well, ourselves, which is what I'm I, trying to do? Or do you think we just ignore it and just see what happens when I it comes? I, I feel like a, a bit of both. I feel like, you know, with, with the world that we're entering, it's going to, whether we like it or not, it is going to be at the forefront. You know, it is going to be at the forefront of our world and interacting um, within our society. Um, but is how much power do we give it? It's true. How much, how much, how much power do we enable AI to have to the point where are we really in control or is AI in control? Is AI doing everything via government decisions and business decisions? And you know, yes, it, it opens many doorways and opportunities, but even within something as simple as social media, a lot of young people that view content via TikTok, you're looking at a 20 second video mm. you're st- that you're scrolling through is taking data from what you are looking at from your conversations via your phone and it is selling it back to you and encouraging you to adopt uh, a way of life that it isn't necessarily um, natural, I feel, is, is almost engineered via AI. Mm. So you ever notice that when you're having a phone conversation and you get off the phone, you're sent an ad- and you're sent an advert about 
Yeah. I don't know the There's TV. There's definitely microphones you, in you the know. phone for sure. Like yeah. That's, 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 yeah. All of these type of things. Um, so yeah, just being able to, I feel like to be able to connect and disconnect. At yeah, the same have time. a balance. Have a balance. I, that's like... what I, I, I battle with that, to be honest. Mm. I battle with the balance and stuff. But it's been amazing. Do you have a summary? Anything you want to leave people with in terms of the episode, in terms of life, any philosophies, any any quotes you want to say? Because I've lost words every episode. So what, what do you want to say? Yeah, I, f- I feel like um, well, there's this there's this African proverb that's that's really interesting. Just with the topic that we've been talking about, the collaborative nature of community of us finding the solutions together and and changing the world around us is that you can get somewhere quickly by yourself, but you can only go far with people. That it takes a village to raise a child. And when you're doing things as a community, you can truly grow the entire community as opposed to just the individual. So I feel like it's really important that we connect and that we network and we share ideas and we share our thoughts and our solutions with one another um, and, and look to just to, to innovate and, and, and recreate, um, you know, the world around us and, and what we'd like to see changed within our community. So I think that's what I would like to share nice, with, our, nice. with our listeners. Yeah, perfect. So I'm going to leave you with this. Don't let anyone dim your light. If you've got an idea, try it. Because life is short. So, you know, I've lost count of people that should, I shouldn't do, I shouldn't do. But the reality is, like, you're going to live and die by your own decisions if you don't make it. But you can't live and die by someone else's decisions because of what they're saying. So, yeah, we want to get influenced by people, especially people we love, you know, we care about what they say. But reality is, if you're really focused on what you're doing and believe in what you're doing and believe in yourself, just follow your heart and follow your gut. This is Jerome from Desire to Inspire Podcast.